0: Mark 6, 7, it says, he called the 12 disciples together and sent them out two by two. He gave them authority over the evil spirits. Um, This two by two scenario um, is going to be basically the essence of the together kind of theme, um, two by two. And I'll first of all kick off with a testimony. Um, oh, actually, this is interesting. Well, there could be two, but one. I'll start with that, and then we'll go straight into the leaders. So, um myself, Quabna, and Jonathan went to Milan, as some of you may know. Um, so, a lot happened in that thing. It's going to unravel forever, till Jesus comes back. Um, so, <laughs> um, but anyways, what happened was, I have hay fever symptoms, right? It's just a family thing. Um, and... I remember as we were coming back, I think, was, yeah, was, I think it was a Sunday we were coming back, the hay fever was just coming, 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 and I was like, okay, this is not cool, because already we had missed our flight, so we had around about eight hours to wait, and I was like, there's no way I'm going to spend this whole entire time with hay fever, because it's horrible, especially, you know, when it increases time by time, and it's sunny, and the pollen, I think, was high as well, so, um, so, yeah, so I had that, and I told the guys, guys, man, I've got this hay fever thing, you know, can you please pray for me, and all of that stuff, and they're like, yeah, cool, we'll pray. And I'm like, really here? Cause like we're in like the airport, you know, we're walking, and like you're gonna pray for me in the middle of every single person watching here. They're gonna think, three crazy black guys laying hand on another black guy. This doesn't look good, or <laughs> something like that. You know, like it could just be weird, right? I'm just thinking in my mind, but I was like, yeah, whatever. You know, just thinking in my mind. Um, so, anyways, they do lay hands on me, and they pray really short. It wasn't like some fine anointing and anointing all in everything, just simple prayer. And then, yeah, we carried on, carried on. And then at some point, I was like, oh, it's actually gone, like literally, like left. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And I told him, guys, it's left. Yeah, yeah, And knowing Jonathan, he was like, yeah, ain't it? And I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> like, you know, celebrate with me a little bit. But, anyways, we're all tired. So, so um, that's minor. Um, But I was amazed that it left, you know, because I was like expecting like for it to take a while or maybe even not even happen, you know, but it happened. And that was really great because, um, you know, already this hay fever thing had already taken its toll on me. And so the fact that I had, you know, Kwapna and Jonathan there to pray for me, that helped, you know. So them being there was a great support and was very beneficial for me and really blessed me in terms of actually their prayer and their faith joined together actually blessed me in return you know, on um, experiencing God's healing power, you know, on a very, like, minor thing, sickness or something, or hay fever. And it was really powerful. And that's the whole two-by-two two thing, you know, someone coming alongside you and supporting you. Um, and another illustration I'll give on that. Um, I don't know if some of you guys have done evangelism before, but when we do evangelism at KT, well, most of the time, um, we're sent out with, um, with you're sent out with a partner. And the reason why they do that is so that, um one, one of the reasons is for safety, so if anything happens, there's someone there who can help you, secondly, to help one another out, especially if you're a first-timer, they'll put you with you like an expert, in a sense, who will kind of help you and teach you in terms of how to do it. And now for me, like I've done a few times, I've not done a lot, but for me, it's been really great, like really beneficial because um, it's scary going out, you know, speaking to London folks. London folks are not the easiest people to speak to because uh, you've got all sorts of people you're kind of addressing to and not mean that in a bad way but you're dealing with different personalities you've got happy folks and you've got okay folks and you've got angry folks and you've got those that you say they really need Jesus because they start swearing at you and they start saying stuff and they start saying stuff about God and and all of that stuff you know and that can easily you know um discourage you but um you know, but being alongside with someone, he, he, they'll just be like, "Not, you know, just love and just carry on and move forward. And that's been, been helpful for me in that kind of evangelism kind of scenario, being there with someone who you may know better than me, as we've been doing for a very long time. Um, it's been like a very kind of helpful thing. It's been um, really, yeah, it's, it's really been good for me and actually boosted my faith. And even though I've done it a few times, like I still love it when I'm with someone than myself, you know, because I know if I'm going with someone that... You know, if someone swears at me, they're swearing at them as well, so I'm okay. You know, so it's like we're both getting the hit, you know, so it's not me alone and I'm dealing with the whole kind of like, oh man, I got scarred. But we both got scarred in a sense. So, like, it's just great just being there with someone, you know, that, you know, we fall together and we rise up together in that kind of scenario as well. And um, I could talk about this for long, and it's this two by two thing, but because so, so much has happened. But yeah, we'll just start with that. And um, yeah, and just start with the leaders. Leaders, you can give us a. Moment, a scenario, an event when someone who came alongside you helped you um, in life or with a moment with God or in your lowest point, and they just kind of helped you and kind of brought you back up high with God again. Um, so whoever wants to kick that off, you can do so. Yeah. I'll talk.
1: Is this on? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so someone that came alongside me so my old cell leader was actually Christiana and Anita cell leader as well um her name was Anna um so she came alongside me before I started leading the cell sorry um she came alongside me before I started leading the cell and with me some of the leaders know I'm not really one to talk I I, I can talk to you but I don't want to talk up here like this um so I was part of So before you guys became new gen, I was part of the leadership team in the older leaders, basically. And so I was alongside her and kind of just being like her PA and just helping her along with that. And there was one time um, where we had a meeting. We used to have meetings in the morning. And there was a time in the meeting in the morning. And she wanted me to pray in the meeting. And I was like, I'm not praying. She was literally nudging me underneath the table. Can you pray? I was like, I'm not praying. I'm not going to pray. And I was one to be like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to stand up and pray. I'm not going to do all of that. And she was forcing it upon me. And at the time, I was like, it's not by force. I don't understand why you're trying to force me to do this. It's not by force. Um, but I see, uh, you know when someone does something, but you don't see the impact of it then? You kind of see it later on in life. And she left like two, three years ago now. Um, so um, I kind of now see that why she was pushing me to kind of step out and why she was pushing me to kind of do certain things because now I'm still a bit like if you ask me to pray I'll pray but I'm not gonna volunteer and pray you know but um it's still like a it's still kind of like a struggle but I'm getting there and I feel like I've she pushed me to kind of do that because it's gonna help with my walk and at the time I was just like I don't really want to do this um but she pushed me and I feel like that helped me along with leading my cell because that was she was my first cell leader f- kind of from the start from leading my cell and um I've had so many cell leaders over the years um but she was like the the number one that kind of helped me and even still ten- to this day she still messages me like randomly um about certain things and that she's praying for me and it's really encouraging to know that someone that you know that was just soul leader ages ago is kind of still there kind of still praying for you, kind of still helping you to guide you in everything you're doing. Um, Even though I don't talk to her often either, or I don't see her often because she she lives outside of London, she's still there to kind of help me and to help me push. Um, And so sometimes she would get me to lead the cell when she isn't there. And um, so when I was in her cell, I was also part of another leadership cell because you kind of, yeah, it's it's a long process, but um, she kind of helped me to push and like, to where I am today, and I feel like if she wasn't there, I don't feel like I would be the sole leader I am today because she wasn't there. Yeah, so,
2: so, okay. so just to clarify the question, yeah. just to say about you know, because like really, you, yeah. so my first experience of um. Discipleship was in my old church. I went to a, a church called Newland Church in Woolwich, a great church, um, and uh, I was in a similar kind of setting to you guys. Had our youth service, and um, there was this guy, a particular guy called Ot, um, and
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, he's Ot. <laughs> yeah. oh okay, so this particular guy called Ot, and um, he made Christianity look really cool. I don't know how to explain it, but um, he had this energy that I think I have as well. So en- like just that excitement. But then it was the case where like he was excited about the Bible, and um, he would be like, "Yeah, bro, Mark, bro, Luke, bruv, <laughs> and we do that like. Can he, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but because he was from Deptford, and like they had this like he had a history as well, is what really like resonated with me. Um, you know, I used to live in Deptford, and he was one of the cool guys, one of the oldest and stuff. But it's just crazy. Like when you see someone like that who can switch it up and um, be so captivated by God, it makes a massive difference. Um, But I don't know. Like I just, I I, I would just say the ability to make the gospel relatable to people's lives is what really changed me. And it was unlimited. Like it was unlimited. I felt like I could call in whenever. um, Church didn't stop when the youth service stopped you know, we'd, we'd go into a court, not like a corner, but we'd just come round to the front and we'd all sit down and just like, the Bible's in the middle. And that kind of like grooming from early on and a, a genuine excitement, like you can't fake it, a genuine excitement in your heart is what really, I'd say, started to lay those seeds, even if I even knew what discipleship meant.
0: Um, that's really cool. Um, when how someone's excitement and, and, and someone's passion is um, contagious in a sense, in, in a good way, that you're able to catch it. Um, in a sense, which I think, mean for some of you, could be, you know, um, you know, you being a Christian, you know, you don't realize the amount of impact it actually has on somebody else. Um, you know, um, just you being you and you being a Christian and you doing God, like it just tells so much of a bigger story. Like for me, <laughs> like. The way I used to choose friends is like how, in a way, passionate they are for God. Like, because that for me, because I was the type of person, is like, I want what you have and I'll be friends. So, in a sense, I'm befriending them, like, you know, taking advantage a little bit. Um, but God is cool with that, I think. Anyways. <laughs> so, but like, for me, like, you know, it's that thing, like, if you got it, I want it and I'll find a way to get it, you know, and. And that's in a sense what attracted me to be friends with like Kwabena, Jonathan, and a few other people, and Andrew, and and other people. Yeah, like just to be around them. So it's like what they have, I want to get it, you know. And and y- and you do get it, you know. Their personality randomly jumps on you, you know. And um, yeah, so yeah, just point to think about.
3: Um, Mine similar to Um like for me. I used to come to church, go home, come to church, go home. We have our cell group, as we do here. I used to be part of, n- um, it wasn't called New Den, it was called The Cause. So, um, yeah, I used to be in Re- um, Anna's cell with Rebecca. But, yeah, I just used to come and go um, until I sort of moved to Karen's cell. I'm in Karen's cell with Christiana now. And, um, yeah, it, we moved out of here. Um, we used to have cell at her house in Stratford. And, yeah, after uni, used to go to our house. We used to just chill, um, just eat and just talk about God and just you could really be yourself. And I felt like that was a real sort of changing point in my life. Um, and then she gave us prayer partners. So she gave us so she paired us up in ourselves. So I was paired up with Bucci. Some of you don't know Bucci, some Bucci is some of your leaders. But um yeah, so we were like, Oh yeah, we're prayer partners but we didn't really we weren't excited or anything. We were just we weren't close at all, we were just we just knew each other. This this was early days, so just thought okay, we're we'll prayer partners now. So I'm um, gonna pray. First it started off with like really dry like conversations, dry prayers. And then um over time we just like we'd call each other and then we wouldn't pray, but we'd talk and just like share with each other and then pray and then our conversation used to go on for like an hour or like two hours. So just that whole like I feel like we've seen each other grow in Christ and encouraged each other and um, yeah, prayed together, so I think that was a real sort of turning point in my life just to know that um, we're on this walk together so if you can't be open if you can't be yourself, you need to like question okay, like is this walk, what, what, what is this walk sort of thing, you need to be able to know what you're doing, um, be able to ask questions, um, just to really be aware of what you're doing not just walk blindly if that makes sense um, and another time um another experience I've had is just growing up, um, my dad's been a really, like, um, a good example in terms of, like, discipleship. I remember um, when we were younger, weekly he used to go to um, Charing Cross to, like, feed the homeless people. So he didn't have a car. So um, we used to go on the train with, like, do you, uh, how do, I, do you know what Ghana must go by? It's, like, a colourful, yeah, 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 yeah Ghana yeah. must go. B- so we used to go on the train me with one hand, my brother with one hand holding flasks of tea and rice and shit, it was just really embarrassing but at the same time we got there and I just think, all of this just to, to feed the homeless, why? Like, But then, I feel like if you have a heart for that, there must be a reason why you're doing that. You wouldn't just go and do that for no reason, do you get what I mean? So I used to think, rah, this is, this is serious. So over time, it used to just be like a natural thing, but um, it taught me humility as well, you need to be humble, you need to just, people need to see that you're a disciple sort of thing, not in a um, a boastful way, but just, uh, you know, people know, so people get to know the God that you serve, sort of thing. But yeah, um, yeah.
0: That's cool. That's cool. Um, okay, I'll start with this question first. So, um, not, okay, the ones who spoke then have to answer this question, um, so we have time. But I'll ask the first question, um, which is how did we each receive? Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So basically, how did we get saved? Um, if your story is a film, like a trilogy, then, um, yeah, make it into like five minutes <laughs> kind of thing. Um, um, and yeah, and just basically tell us like how you got saved. Um, and yeah, so we'll start with Quabs, and then Christiana,
4: and then, yeah. Yeah, I think I shared this testimony at the ministry night which again I say you guys should go to. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah for me it's I d- I feel it's not necessarily a clear cut story that I can be like it was it was there. But um yeah I was coming to KT for years with my brother and my sister and my mom and yeah it was a thing where I was I was enthusiastic about you know the bible and the idea of god etc but I couldn't say I was necessarily saved. Yeah, it was um it was around 2011 I've, I th- I'm sure it must have been around 2011 because that's when I got baptized. That was October 2011 so I would say it was around there but yeah, even after that it wasn't I didn't really feel as though hey, I now feel like one warrior one warrior for God, because I actually drifted, and I feel uh, God was working. God was working somehow, because it ended up, you know, Him directing my steps in some way, and I ended up coming back. And I feel that was where He was then cultivating this understanding of, um, you know, you you do fail, you do fall, you aren't perfect, you're fallible. But then there's someone greater who carries you through these situations. So, yeah, I I find it difficult to describe how I got saved personally. But I do believe that God was working through my childhood. And it was a thing where he was then developing this understanding of, you know, God. And I feel I know him a lot better now.
0: So it was like a process, like stages and then... Probably, if you
4: know what? Sometimes I think about it, it's like when when someone asks me, "How did you get saved?" or wha- "How was it like when I got saved?" I feel like if I w- if I d- at the end when we're talking to God in heaven, He'll probably tell me a specific moment, yeah, and it, it will was just be <laughs> like, "Oh, rah." <laughs> <laughs> but for me, I I can't really remember it too well, but yeah. I do know that it was probably around October. when two thousand and eleven. I was in second year of sixth i think yeah. so yeah it's probably i'd say around then that i was saved. Yeah.
0: Yeah. no that's good um who here like grew up in church raise your hand if you grew up in church okay and you got saved and if you got in saved in church keep your hand up as well right <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of us have that kind of because for me dude like even as a baby, I remember being in a church, stained glass windows and everything. I don't know what that was. Um, not as a baby, though, but, you know, as a two, four-year-old or something. Um, but I, I like, I can, even now I can still picture how it was and how the mood was. It was gray and whatever. I can still remember. So, like, I've always grown up in church, you know, loved God, all that kind of stuff. So I really identify with that story. Um, sometimes you feel like you're only one, especially when you get testimonies like, yeah, I used to be a road man and I did this in it, and then I saw the light in it, and then I got saved. Like, you know, and then you feel like your testimony of being saved is just like, yeah, nah, dang interesting, now. Nah, forget that, fam. <laughs> you feel like you need to get saved again, you know, to live up to that standard and be like, yeah, I'm saved now, innit, yeah. So, um, <laughs> it's weird, but, <laughs> but the thing is, every story, like, you know, every salvation story is perfect. You know, it all just links up um, with the script of God, so yeah so we'll go to Christiana and she'll tell us how she she got saved Shh.
5: Um, my story is a bit different so um I grew up in let's say church well Church of England and um, my parents weren't that Christian would you say and um, at let's say 10 or 11. There were some real difficulties in my family, and um, someone went to prison, and it was very, very tough. And I would say because of that, I grew closer to Christ because that was like literally all I could do, if you get what I mean. And um, he was my strength. He was the reason, like that. I went to school. I was going to school, having you know, I got good grades, thank God. But You know, just it was difficult. It was difficult. And um I think like I don't know, I started my walk alone, yeah. So I started my walk with Christ, just me and him, like me and God. It was lovely just to know like I I was I knew God and he knew me, he knew where my heart was. But um the devil really tried. And I think when you're not like I think that's why discipleship is so important because when you have others around you, they can encourage you as to, like, what's right, what's wrong, you know, what you should accept. Like, the devil was trying to come at me, like, on a spiritual level. He was trying to come demons, like, it was deep. And I was just trying to fight off by myself. I prayed for tongues for so long because I thought if I had tongues, then, like, God can just speak through me, blah, blah, blah. And um, I was trying for very long to, like, in, in fear as well. I think when you're by yourself, there's a lot of fear. And the devil can really just try to put you in a corner and attack you. But when I came to church, basically, I came to KT because a friend of mine came to KT. And um, she was like, do you want to come? And I was like, before this, I was actually going to another Pentecostal church. Actually, Faith Child's church. just before he was ever Faith Child. And my brother used to rap as well. They used to start rapping together. My brother's not in, in the church anymore. We need to pray for him. But, um, yeah, like, I started going there. But then when, um, like, family, like, it was just a bit of a mess. And then I stopped going to church. But I was still close with God. It was just me and him. I used to watch God TV all the time, do you know what I mean? I used to really try with my walk with God, God, but it was just a lonely walk. But it wasn't lonely because I had Christ, yeah? Um, But then I came to KT, and someone was like, one of my friends, Laura, actually, she's in our cell now. She's my prayer partner now as well, very, very close, and um, she was just like, yeah, come to KT. I to KT. I was just, and then they did the altar call. I, was, I I prayed the prayer. And they were like, oh, anyone prayed the prayer? I was like, yeah, I prayed the prayer. I'm thinking, you know, this is fine. Like, I stood up. I was the only one who stood up at this point. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're saved. I was thinking, I, I, I thought I was saved a long time ago. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I didn't even know what saved was. I didn't even know what this meant. I just, like, I believed what I said. And so, yeah, apparently I was saved. I got put into a cell. I grew up in, like you know I, I got baptized like it was just it just kind of came but i think the first initial thing was the fact that like i had a relationship with with christ through sufferings through struggles and that's why i think that's what kept me through the years as well And, um, yeah, because at the end of the day, it's just you and God. But then having other people can encourage you so much. I think the fact that I have so many people around me to pray for me, to actually have people praying for you. I don't have, like, the benefit of, like, my parents praying for me. I'm praying for my parents. Do you know what I mean? I'm praying for my family. Whereas a lot of you guys, I think you need to be really grateful for your parents and for your aunties and uncles praying for you. Because there are some people out there that are the people praying for their Pe- parents, their cousins, do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I thank God for giving me Sel, because Sel was literally my spiritual family, and um, yeah, it was lovely. Like, when I went to uni to have girls praying for me when I was going through struggles, like, I would talk to my girls. I wouldn't Like, I love my mom, I love my dad and stuff, but I wouldn't say, can you pray for me? I've never had, like, family prayer time, family Bible time. Do you know what I mean? But it's okay, because you can have that at Cell. So, um, yeah, I just appreciate, I appreciate Sel, I appreciate KT, and I think discipleship is so important because you have a family in Christ, and that can flow through all the generations, do you know what I mean? And you learn how to teach people, you learn how to uh, disciple others. Yeah, it's just, it's a good thing.
0: No, that's good. Um, yeah. Funny enough, actually, that was leading it into the next question, which was, um, for those who got saved, which is obviously us here, um, were you consolidated right after, or you just did it on your own, in a sense, like you just did it? It was just you and God, and then you got connected. So, were you consolidated? Was someone present there who helped you in your walk of faith? And if not, how was it? And what would what would you have liked um, in that process if that was not the case, Quops.
4: So around the time I was um, baptised, actually, you know what? God dropped it in my spirit actually when I got saved. But I'll tell you that later on. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically when I got baptised, now I was in a cell with a guy called Darren. I don't know, if, I don't think many of you know him. He was my old cell leader, and um, yeah, uh, he was very encouraging at that point sense where it was almost as if he was a very fatherly figure and yeah it was a thing where he would then bring and help me to understand how god was a father to me he used to bring his children along to the cell he had like two kids at that time and they were they could be rowdy they could be hungry they could be this they could be that and it was it was it was funny to just watch him tending to them during cell and then he would even just turn the whole cell meeting into a thing where he's describing how this relationship between him and his father mirrors how our relationship was with God so I feel that was something that was really helping me to come to an understanding of where I stand before God or how he views me it was a thing where if his son was tired he would end up cuddling him or whatever So it's just that affection that I could see in his physical, natural scenario then helped me to understand God on a spiritual level. And then when, after I got baptized and I was in that cell, I mean, it was a point where I kind of drifted and I wasn't around very much. And then I think it was just the Holy Spirit that brought me back to KT at one point. And then I came back. And then it was one of the Friday nights at KT. And then, that's when I met my cell leader Scott. I mean, I knew him a little bit, but I'd never spoken to him. And then he just invited me into one of his cell meetings there, and it was like, okay. I mean, I've come for something else, but I mean, I'm here early, so I might as well join. And it was in there that he then helped me to understand the concept of accountabili- uh, Accountability. How? I mean. Us as Christians, you know, I mean, yeah, we're going through this walk with God, but then there are other people around us who can actually help you. And he was one of the first people that really challenged me on, you know, being open about what's happening in my life, not dressing it up in certain ways, but actually being real about it and seeking God to really touch the different areas in my life. At that point, it was like a few different things had accumulated and it was like, I I wasn't even paying attention to what it was doing to my life. But um, I think it was there. So uh,
0: during the accountability period, mm. um, how was that process, like, in effect, having to be open about your life? It um, was weird. Like, yeah, like, wha- wha- yeah, wha- yeah. what was the challenge? Like, wha- like, like, how was it?
4: It was weird. It was just like, just different things that we go through as young people, and it's just it was because I didn't have lots of Christian friends. It it was a weird idea. Or it, I, w- I think it was even a thing where I wouldn't say I really had many close friends in general. I mean, I, I knew people. I knew people who I'd grown up with. But there wasn't really anyone who I'd be calling up regularly to talk to about this or call this person about that. So it was... Firstly, the idea of opening up was weird because even talking to my parents was a challenge as well. About st- stuff. So just... The initial opening up was weird. But then being accountable on the deeper stuff and the idea of, you know what, I mean, maybe you're struggling here and you need to go and holler at someone because you don't want to make a wrong decision or something. Being willing to place your life in someone else's trust in that respect and also receiving that as well in the sense where, you know, someone else wants to be accountable with you It was that thing where, okay, I mean, it really helps to develop an understanding of what kind of friendships or what a friendship actually should be like, you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, with accountability in myself, with my cell leader, I think it was, it's it's a very big um, thing with him and it should be amongst us as the church because, you know, we are brothers and sisters, you know. I feel it was something that really helped me to, even speak more with my own siblings like, at home and even opening up more, being able to share with you. And then it impacted me on how I can be with the guys who I lead and sell as well. So yeah.
2: yeah. <coughs> I'd just like to add and say like, yeah, it's really made me pensive and like really thoughtful because I think when you actually take in, it kind of makes you think about, okay, how did I actually get to where I am? 'Cause discipleship is is, is is following, like an actual conscious conscious decision to follow. So I would just say like just so we're all like on the same page and just to kinda communicate where my thinking is based on what everyone said, I think what is discipleship? Well discipleship is the process of becoming more and more Christ like, right? So we get saved and we don't even know how we get saved. In in most, if not all circumstances, it's really nothing to do with, although we we do kind of make a choice, it's kind of like God having his finger on our lives. So that happens. But because we're not as in control as we think we are, it really does require that process of becoming more and more Christ-like and the two-way relationship of saying, "Okay, someone is there for you to say, look, welcome, like ushering you in and saying and showing you things because you won't know anything, especially if you're really not in control, as I've just said. And I think everyone who's sitting right here today is really, really fortunate because, I don't, know to, I don't know how to explain it, but, like, what KT has in terms of the conscious discipleship ethos, like the cells, consolidation, like, I don't know what consolidation is. Like, mm. I mean, not that I don't know what it is, but it's, it's very, f- like, it's like, it's foreign to me until coming here. Not because I'm not a Christian or anything, but, you know, the emphasis, yeah, and when you grow up in church and... Um, if you're like, a, like a, almost like a PK and like you're thrust into ministry and service from an early age, so the question never really arises, like, are you actually a Christian? And what is the state of your heart and relationship with God actually like? That's one thing. And number two, I just want everyone to know that like, just because you're a disciple and you're a Christian does not mean your life and your heart is perfect. Let me explain what I mean by that. Like, God makes us righteous, right? Our belief in Christ makes us righteous. But there's still things that God wants to do in your heart, and that's part of discipleship. So, like, don't think that because, oh, rah, like, no, nah, this can't be relevant to me because I'm going through this and I think this way or my heart is this way. Kid you not, like, most of the people, some of your leaders, some of the people who are even on stage are still, to this very day, being discipled and being shown how to be more and more Christ like. So, I would just say, like, really, really cherish the ethos on. Um, you know, someone holding your hand through this because it's you don't really know a lot. None of us do. And we just need to keep on having a hunger to learn more about Christ. But yeah, man, I, I can't say I had a consolidation. I was fortunate I went to a Christian primary school. Um, and as I say, like, grew up in church, service servicing that, like, serving. But um, what you guys have here is massive.
0: This is good because
2: um, we're hearing
0: of... Um, I'm guessing, I'm taking a very big guess, but I don't think a lot of us probably were consolidated after we got saved, I guess. Like, we had someone do that. And we can already hear from Christiana's story, Kwabna, and Ellen as well, about you really, like, um, you know, not having that someone, you know, whether whether it's like a father or a mother, spiritually speaking, coming alongside you and actually showing you how to do it. Um, Because what that could have done for many of us here, it could have helped us to avoid certain pitfalls in a sense you know it would have yeah potholes basically it would easily have just prevented that um but still it just shows God's grace and God's mercy that he grew us and you know helps us to be where we are that we can still minister that we can still be alive we still thank God even though we had nobody but at the end you know when you're actually within a group of people you can realize the greatness of like being with, with like people like you and same heart, same mind, you know, like how how wonderful that is. And for me, one of my – okay, I keep doing stories about myself. I think I have to stop. <laughs> um, uh, my For me, my favorite things about being in a group is, you know, when we discuss scripture and Bible stuff. I mean, we can talk about life, that's fine, you know, that's cool. But when we start talking scripture and everything, that for me is like my spirit literally comes alive. Um, I remember, um, right, it was my birthday, right, and we went to, myself, again, myself, Kwabner and Jonathan, went to um, Rum Kitchen in Old Saints Road, Leber Grove, and, and basically, yeah, we're having food, eating, da 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 and then suddenly we start, in a sense, opening up a little bit about uh certain, s- like, like a season that we're in in life, like, and asking questions about how to do this, how to do this, and we're each giving our own personal perspective, and then suddenly, it's like, it felt as if like we just came alive because it was like God just began speaking through each of us, like each and every one of us. And I want to mean God was speaking. I'm not saying God was like, thus saith the Lord, go this direction, you know. It wasn't that, but God speaking as in is like from um, scriptural revelations that we got, you know, God s- started speaking from there. Like from God, yeah, like he he started speaking from from us to that individual in that situation you know about not actually it should be done this way because in scripture it says do this and i've learned that to do this and for me that's exciting you know because you just like come alive you know like, oh my god this is good this is amazing and then at some point i remember who was saying or i was saying like um this is what Sal should be. like, you know. Sal should be like that. He should be alive. He should be like, you know, exciting about scripture and just speaking to where you are in that moment and, and just connecting with you. And it's it, it just so amazing. And I remember even one, um, another situation was at a men's encounter last year. Um, me and Jonathan were in the same room and then Kwaabuna came in and another guy came in. And we just started talking about stuff. And I mean, I don't know how long that conversation was, but it was, it was almost what about three to, well, I could be exaggerated, but three to four hours you know, of just talking about Bible and scriptures and all that stuff. So I'm telling you guys, I don't know how to describe this, but it's really the most exciting, spiritual, liberating thing you'll ever have. Because even at some point, I was like, "Now nah, I'm going to sleep now. And and they just carried on, you know. Um, had the same scenario again when we went on a holiday and stuff. And it is really an amazing thing when you come around people who are like you. And you share, you know, the same heart and the same mind and and the same spirit, you know. And just pull on one another and learn from one another, you know. Because it's like you go from faith to faith in that moment, you know. Because if you do it by yourself, it's like, it's harder in a sense, you know. Because you have to face certain barriers and, and, and certain walls and overcome. But when you're with others, you know, they can tell you, actually I did that and it wasn't a good idea. And when I did this, this is what happened. And because you know them and you've been with them. In that kind of walk, you can be like, actually, that's true, um, to go around that that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, another point I want to raise up is in the scripture. Uh, it's 1 Corinthians 11, 11-1. Paul here says, um, imitate me then just as I imitate Christ. This is quite, um, for me, I would say a very big statement. Because imagine I come up to you and be like, you should imitate me the same way I imitate Christ. I'll be like, who are you to be saying that? <laughs> you know, like, how imitate you actually imitate you? Imitate Christ? Like, are you trying to say you're like Christ? Are you trying to say you are, you know, on the same level with him? Like, you know, what are you trying to say? Like, what's all this about? But, you know, that scripture alone already talks about discipleship. And even what Ellen said, you know, about, you know, discipleship is a conscious decision of To follow and eventually becoming like Christ. And so I want us to discuss this thing about imitating the art of imitation, is the word I would give it. Like, um, how did you guys experience this whole imitating someone so you can become more like Christ? Has they, yeah, like, has there been someone or situation that you looked at someone and be like, I wanna be like them? And how was that process? Like, how did you find that person and how did you walk? with them and how was everything was there moments of tension and hard moments even them speaking in your life and in a sense being even quite direct you know um, and telling you like that's not cool and it hurt but it was for your good at the same time so yeah the whole art of imitations thing so
4: quobs i'd say my my current cell leader scott is a very strong example of that his Scott works for the church. I mean, he's Pastor Collins' assistant at the moment, and his schedule is just nuts. Like when you get to know him, you just know this guy is doing. It. Sometimes you just think, how do you fit all these things into twenty-four hours? How do you fit all these things into one week? How how do you how do you go about it? But it's it's that commitment, and even the way he's very committed to leading cell. It's like sells this time on Thursday, be there, guys. He'll message every week consistently. He'll be there. I mean, he, he's had, he has a life. <laughs> he has personal stuff that happens. And, you know, he still manages to be there on Thursdays for sell. And if you're not there, it's like it doesn't make sense. It, it genuinely doesn't make sense. You can't we're all in, like, college and uni and stuff. Your schedule cannot be anything like what Scott is doing. But, you know, that, that I think that was something that really impacted me. And I think it's not, it's not a thing to say, oh, look at Scott, he's the model. But, in fact, one thing that I think we should take from it is even looking at how... what from, for from, from me, what I saw was, how is this guy like Christ? And when you look at Christ, he was very committed to his guys, I mean the way that he was always with these particular 12 people, he was always taking them here, taking them there. It was these specific guys that he was very, you know, focused on cultivating his righteousness in them uh, so that they can then go and impart it on others. And I really saw Christ in the way Scott operates. And, I mean, Jesus was in, Jesus was around, like, thousands of years ago when he was walking uh, on earth. But looking at someone who's here in 2016, 2015, 14, 13, looking at the way we live our lives and how he goes about it in a manner that really conveys the heart of Christ and his dedication to people. I mean, a lot of his schedule is literally meeting up with people and a lot of pastoral stuff. So that was something where, you know what, he was very people oriented. And that's what Christ was. Christ wasn't, like, and this, this isn't a criticism to preachers around the world who are always on the pulpit and they don't get to really talk to everyone else. Jesus was amongst the people when they were being fed. He was amongst the people when they were being taught on the mountain. And he was, he was very, very, he, he even went to people's houses to have lunch with them, have dinner with them. And it was that idea of, you know, really getting to know people and getting to know where they're at and speaking into their lives and being there for them. And that was something that I really saw in how Scott operates. And that is something that has really impacted how I seek to operate. Because literally, I mean, the idea of him saying, imitate me, like Paul saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ when Moses just pulled it up in my mind, I was thinking, rah, I mean, this really reminds me of Scott. <laughs> and it's something that I seek to do as well with guys I lead. And hopefully you see it in the other leaders as well, that you know what, it's a thing where look to them to see Christ. Sorry, look to them as a model for Christ. And, and I d- I'm sure all of you are looking to Christ as a model as well. and as yeah. you guys are probably looking to yourself, leaders as well. I think that's that's one thing. We're all here to influence each other, but it's a thing where Christ has to be at the center. Anybody
2: uh,
0: else?
5: Yeah. Anyone else uh, want to say anything? Okay, oh Christian, you know we'll come, come this on. way. Then yeah. no, there no, you go. Uh, yeah. Um, Karen. I don't know who knows Karen. Yeah. Karen is amazing. She's just amazing. She's just amazing. And um, <laughs> <sighs> like. Genuinely, I just thank God. She's our soul leader, me and Needs. And, um, yeah, we imitate her as she imitates Christ. And I feel as though, like, just, like, to be to that level so that my girls can imitate me as I imitate her as she imitates Christ. Do well know what? As I imitate Christ as well. But, I mean, it's just a cycle. It really keeps going down in the generations. And I think it's just beautiful that you can have someone to imitate as well. Um, yeah, yeah,
0: it's amazing actually because it's kind of like God made it easy in terms of how to follow Him and how to be like Him. He didn't just say, you know, be be like me, you know, and then figure it out, you know, but rather He made it much more easy and said, okay, I'm going to put certain people in your life, and obviously, through God's Spirit and God's grace, find out if that person actually should be, um, and follow them as an example you know, as a guidance of how to live this Christian life uh, how to be like, you know, how to do because Paul literally he like all the time he says like do this like me, I do this, or you should do this, you know. Like he you know, he gives us glimpses and pictures and he actually even makes it much more easy because now we have in a sense something much more tangible, you know, to look at as a way of actually this this is how I can do it. So you may be here and you might be like, okay, I love God, I love Christ, but I have no idea how to do this. Life, I don't know how to be a Christian. You know, I've got questions, and I'm struggling with this, and I've got this. One of the first things could be, okay, Lord, um, show me who I can imitate. Obviously, you, but show me someone who can come into my world and come into my life. And obviously, firstly, it's your soul leader. Um, and be like, okay, Lord, how can I then follow you by looking at somebody's life kind of thing? And that can even make make it much more easier, because that person literally does become your mentor. Um, and you can ask them questions, and you can be real. You can be as real as you want to be, you know. And the more real, the more real you are, the more easier the journey becomes, and the faster you grow, you know, as you become more open. Um. Well, yeah, actually, l- let's do this. How did you guys overcome that barrier of being open? Because I'm sure it's not easy for us to open, because we're scared of what the other person might think of us, or we've had bad experiences when we did open up, and we just got hit back right in the face. Um, you know, and some of us, it's not even in our nature to open up. We just like keeping things to ourselves. So, um, yeah. So, how do you guys overcome the barrier of just being open? And
2: um, yeah. Can I just say, the Holy Spirit is definitely here. Why? Because there was one time I wanted to say something earlier, and Quab said it. And then there was one time that I wanted to talk about Zola, and you went to Karen. That's mad. Like, and then just now I wanted to mention, bring up a relationship, and that's exactly what we're kind of. If you get what uh, Moses is saying, it's about relationship. So um, it's really, really hard because, like, I'm quite confident normally, and I'm quite vocal, but only vocal about what I want to be vocal about, right? So people see me like out here, and you'll think, "Oh, right, how's he so confident and stuff?" But you don't know. And uh, everyone, really, we're all like this. We're only really open with what we want to be open with. When we, I- if you touch the wrong spot, like we completely jump back, yeah, switch, yeah, exactly, and and it took me a long time um, to be comfortable opening up about certain things, and I'll just say how it happened, I can't necessarily, hopefully just saying it will be a lesson, so the first time it happened, um, it was just like God breaking me down, like I was crying, like there was one song, I still know it to this day, it's called, um, well, I thought I know this song, it's my favourite song, I said, um, <laughs> 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 um, it goes, it um, goes, the pillar that hold my, you Are the Pillar That Holds My Life. Anyone know that song? Yeah, yeah I'm not going to sing I can't sing, but it's <laughs> all right. Um, and it was like a morning thing at church, and my uncle was the one doing uh, worship, and I was just in my seat. And, you know, basically, I was younger, been through certain things, and I wanted to talk about it so I can get over it, but I didn't know how to, and... Just God, literally, like, through being in God's presence. I know it sounds, yeah, okay, cool, yeah, more time with God. But it's not, it's actually real. Like, honestly, like, sometimes you being with God can make you more, can make you more effective or better with other people um, or can make you more comfortable in your own skin. It can make you uh, more honest. I don't know. Like, when God softens you up, you can face the world in a more confident way sometimes. It's the best way I can put it. Because up until then, I wasn't able to actually talk about it to any human being. Um, and that was the first time I did. And then basically, the, how I got to KT is that my godfather, who's known me since I was a baby, and it's Anthony's dad. Anthony, you are right, bro? Don't be embarrassed. Um, he came, I rapped. So he came to one of my listening sessions. And he was like, oh, you're good, but you know, and I've helped you with your career. I've helped you with this. But what about your walk with God? Like. He wanted to actually go a bit deeper and, and touch a few things that I was like, no, it's cool, I'm good, like, I'm a good guy, blah, 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 stuff like that. But as I say, spending more time with God, you kind of begin to test the waters, like Peter, right? You begin to be like, okay, let me take one step. Let me take two steps. And if you keep your eyes on God, honestly, it has such a massive effect on how you relate, even with your friends, even with your parents. Um, that's the only way I can put it, because up until then, you I would never, ever talk about the things that I'm now talking about, ever.
1: Um, For me, um, what was the question Um, again?
0: How did you, um, like, with accountability, how did you overcome that thing of being open, like the fear of being open and stuff?
1: Okay, so um, the first time I did... um, come open about cer- certain things I was going through because I actually didn't share this with anybody um, I kind of stood up and gave a testimony and an about something that I went through um, and it was actually really hard for me to actually say it because it was yeah I didn't, I didn't tell anybody my family knew nothing about it I kind of kept it to myself so um, it was really hard for me to kind of open up and kind of say it but I took the initiative and I opened up but the moment I did it kind of kind of use someone to kind of throw it back at my face um and that was really difficult because that was kind of like before I started being a cell leader so it was like yeah that was kind of hard so I kind of with me I was kind of like on a defense if you if I can say like that so I was kind of on a defense that like as Alan said that there's only certain things you would share you know if you feel comfortable sharing you kind of won't share everything um and so I was a al- lot a lot of the time I was on a defense, and because that was certain things I went through, um, and I was really like harsh with my tongue as well. Sorry, yeah, I was really harsh with my tongue. Some that of is very <laughs> true. <laughs>
0: I'm a witness, uh,
1: some of the leaders can testify to that. I was very harsh with my tongue. I've calmed down a bit, yeah, I still need a some little more, bit, some more work <laughs> th- to, to, go, to go. Um, but that was because of a lot of the things I went through, and I guess opening up about it that kind of, I shared a testimony, I think, last year at the encounter, and um, when I shared it, a lot of the (coughs) leaders said, oh, wow, like, I didn't know that was the reason why you behave like that, and that's the reason why you spoke to certain people, like, certain ways, and that's sometimes the reason I was on the defense, and, you know, um, when you share things, don't do it like, oh, I don't know how they're going to see me, they may judge me. It can... Make people see you in a different light, and because I opened up and shared about it, that a lot of the leaders were like, "Wow, I didn't know that." And if you don't share, people kind of wouldn't know how to kind of mm. handle certain situations. If you tell them certain things because you're not really opening up and you're not really sharing about it. So the moment I did, it was kind of it was more of a freedom for me that, you know, no one's going to kind of look at me and judge me now because I've opened up and shared and I open up and told them this is the reason why I've always been defensive and, you know, loud with my mouth and really sharp with my tongue as well because of certain things I went through and that was kind of, like, my mechanism to kind of, like, fight back people um, because I had nothing else apart from my tongue. Um, But, yeah, that was for me.
0: That's cool. Um, So, from... One thing thing we can pick up, you know, um, is, you know, overcoming this barrier of being open, um, which then does release... um you know, authentic relationship with people. um, It actually even draws you so much closer to the individual um, because a relationship is two-way, right? And, you know, even though we're living for God, but I have to remember that God is our father, number one. So if he's our father, that means we are his children, we're his son, we're his daughter, and it's a two-way thing. And even within the discipleship context, you know, um, there's many kind of... Stuff we can look at like parallels and stuff, like you know, like about being your brother's keeper, and you know, love your neighbors, you love yourself, and all, and all this kind of stuff. is all about tightening relationships and and being together, and this kind of stuff about being open. It really does tighten your relationship, and you actually become even much more closer than you would think you would do. um And um yeah, so I just encourage you in that area. You want to say something? Okay. Yeah.
2: Sorry, I just remembered one key point, which is um. A commitment so and it also said in Mark which we touched on first um, where it says the first house you go to stay there until you leave that town and then here it also says follow my example my example and my issue was that I'm quite busy so because I'm visible I might meet this good good person and that good person and that good person and that good person and I had connections, but then I didn't have relationship. And I read a book recently, well, I haven't actually finished reading the book, I shouldn't lie. Um, yeah. But I read a very important part of the <laughs> book, um, which talks about um, invitation and challenge. Yeah. And it's this, um, it's by Mike Green, and it talks, it's this uh, four, doesn't really matter, it's, but it's really the, the concept is what's key. Um, try to like, imagine, like a, is it a Venn diagram or like a four? I don't know, but anyway, essentially, imagine you have invitation on that side and you have challenge on that side invitation is let's be friends let's be cool let's spend time together challenges be more like Christ uh, pray more um, tithe or all these things and what happens is that when we try to disciple we're being discipled we're on that side and no one someone said like I don't understand why they're asking me to pray or I don't understand why he's telling me to come on time or I didn't look at anyone there in my soul or some person's not here He's not, he's not here, he's, not, he's out a little bit. Um, um, you know, it needs the invitation part, that relationship. And part of relationship is commitment, right? So it's the same way, like, like, we're not dating Christ, but when you're going out with someone or you're about to marry someone or you're engaged, you don't have, like, five fiancés, do you? Like, you don't, you don't do that. Like, you need to commit. That's why Paul says, follow my example. He doesn't say, follow our example, because there's other good people, but to be effective, yeah. we need to actually regularly engage. And that can't happen if my, m- if my energy and time and focus is split between so many different people. I'm not saying like there can only be one pool in your life or whatever, but it does really require um, commitment.
0: Yeah. Now, w- what he touched upon, it's, it's really key. Like um, commitment and diligence and um, loyalty in your work in your walk with God. Um, not necessarily, like, loyalty to your leader. Like, you know, we're not going to be like, you know, yeah, you know, it's not a tribal thing or, or a dictator type of situation. Um, but to Jesus, you know, being loyal, um, him being Lord plays a, v- a very big thing in your in your life. And t- just one more question, and then we'll call it quits. Because I think um, this scripture actually sets the tone of discipleship. It sets the the, um, the big question, which a lot of you guys, at some point, you might have to come to answer which you might have done when you got saved, but may not have f- faced it head on. you know. And it's this scripture which says, um, yeah, here we go. In Matthew 16, verse 24 to 25, it says, Then Jesus said to, to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I'll say it one more time. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And this is just one part where Jesus kind of uses that kind of radical kind of statement. And, he, and he's done it a few times as well in his ministry when he presents that kind of thing, you know, um, to, to people saying, oh, I want to follow you, I want to follow you. And then he'll be like, well, have you done this? Have you done this? You know, and um, so I just want to ask you guys, the leaders, like um, individually, in um, short form, is how how did you guys, if you have, you know, live this out, where it's like denying yourself and taking up the cross of Jesus and following Him. It may not be like you've done it in the ultimate way, but then how have you actually begun that process of of taking up the cross and um, and following Jesus, um, and what has that done for you? We'll go from Christian and then finish with Quabs. Um,
5: I think that hmm, I think it's a daily thing. I think. Denying yourself, as in what you want to do, like uh, choosing to read your word rather than go on your phone, or choosing to talk to God rather than, I don't know, eat. Like, you know, I think it's um denying your lust, denying what you really want to do um for God. And I think in that, he always does bless you. He blesses you anyway, yeah, but... To spend like to spend more time with God, you get to know Him more. I think we all know this, but to actually do it, I've been really challenged re- recently to actually just wake up early and spend time with God and actually read the Bible and read like what He wants you to read as well—not just read a couple of scriptures, like actually study and go in depth with your study. And um, He reveals so much about Himself. I think to really know God on a personal level, no one can take that from you. So, God wants to God wants to spend time with you. So you know, give Him time, and you know, y- your relationship will grow, it will flourish, and you'll be a disciple, and you'll be able to disciple, and it'll just be it'll be joyful. It'll be a lovely,
3: joyful time in your life. Yeah. Um, I think with the whole picking up your cross and following Christ, it has to be a thing, a daily thing, as Christiana said, and also in every area of your life. So I think. For me, from a young age, it was like, everyone in church knew I was a Christian, but at school it's a bit harder, like, oh, what, you did, what did you do this weekend? Um, yeah, I just went. You don't really want to say you went to church, or like, even nowadays at work, oh, you coming for drinks tonight? You're like, no, I've got a meeting, I've got cell, like, just to be open about the whole, yeah, the whole faith, because it's, it's, it's going to be, it has to be open, like, what's the point if you're not open about it? And... That is part of picking up across and following Christ. Let's just letting people know, yeah, I've got cell today. Yeah, I've got this, um, I'm meeting up with my group of church friends, like we're going to this church event, like just things, little things like that is part of it as well, I think. Um,
4: yeah.
2: I think most of it has been covered. I'm a bit stumped. Mm-hmm. Um, deny yourself and follow me. What does it mean to me? I'd say, um, start being here, who you choose to fellowship with, that doesn't mean don't have any non-Christian friends, that's not what I'm saying. Please, you need non-Christian friends, otherwise you can't disciple anyone as well. Um, but just choosing to put God above what you want to do, um, discipline as well. So for example, the one thing in discipleship that I've struggled with, I've got someone who has discipled me at certain points, and she wakes up at like, five in the morning to pray, I'm not gonna lie, it's just very difficult to do that. Um, (laughs) We're working on it, we'll see. And it's not, who cares if it's five o'clock or 6 p.m. anyway, doesn't matter. Do you know what I mean? But um, yeah, just denying your flesh, man. When your flesh is telling you eat more, It's, it's stuff like that or what you're listening to. You know, I love music. I have to change my iTunes playlist regularly unlike certain things on SoundCloud. It's just, honestly, it's a lot of stuff like that. Um, habits. Oh yeah,
0: From <laughs> personal experience, how did you do this, denying Okay, yourself, so, so I'll
1: course. talk about m- now, yeah. because this is literally me in this moment now. Wow. Um, so um, Alan talked about habits. So one of the things that I kind of, God was speaking to me to kind of give up is TV. And I love TV. I watch it on my iPad. I w- uh, yeah, I love TV. And I watch a lot of shows. And it was really hard. Like, I was just like, okay, I'll give it up. But then I watch it on weekends. God was like, no, no, just no. Like, you need to cut it off. Because it, for me, in that moment, it was a distraction. And it was taking me away from the word. And it was taking me away from praying. And I'll be up late watching TV. Um, and I even bought this um, thing called Chromecast where you can... Um, put the stuff on your yeah, iPad yeah, to the TV yeah. and I bought that a couple months ago and it was just like God was like No, I don't know what you're doing but you need to kind of give this up <laughs> <laughs> um, so I haven't watched TV for like nearly three weeks now thank God um, and I've been replacing watching the TV with sermons, with reading the scripture and God has opened my eyes to a lot of things that I didn't see if I was carried on watching TV so um yeah that's what I'm in at the moment so that relates a lot to me at the moment and God just really showed me that I had to give up a lot of things to kind of seek him and the only reason why sometimes I wouldn't hear his voice is because I'm just being distracted by too many things and TV was one of them so I just had to kind of let that go and um, I went through something like a couple weeks ago and I feel like if I didn't give up the TV I wouldn't have discerned something that I kind of didn't see coming um and i don't feel like god would have spoken to me in that moment if i was still carrying on watching tv and if i wasn't really focusing on him so yeah that's me now yeah
4: yes yeah, i think it's a question which i don't necessarily think to I, d- I don't often think about it enough in the idea of what it means to pick up your cross and follow Christ. and i mean i uh, I was just thinking about it now, like, gosh, what am I going to (laughs) say? Like, but um, it's interesting what Jesus went through in the sense where when he went on the cross, what was he experiencing? He was experiencing torture, shame, this kind of isolation from the world, this kind of thing where he's stigmatized, he's thought to be this off guy he, like he's different he's not um he's not like us should you know shun him and he he experienced a lot of shame and all that and i mean it's not a thing where now i'm saying to everyone to go around and make sure that you look shameful in front of the w- <laughs> the world w- i mean <laughs> no it's not like that it's, it's i think it's it's a shame that comes naturally from being in that yeah. place of righteousness and it's a shame where it's this, it's this perception of, it's, this, it's kind of this line where it's either you're in or you're out. I mean, there's no gray area to it. And I'm, it's, a f- it's, it's really embracing what Christ was about when he was walking on this earth. And he wasn't very, he was engaged with the world, but he wasn't immersed in it in the sense where he interacted with the world. But he wasn't of it. And I think that's something that I guess naturally when you're walking with God and you end up in the spirit, it ha- it, ha- it happens. So the disengagement from television, that's s- something I've kind of experienced as well. Video games was something that I was just hooked on. <laughs> My brother's <laughs> laughing because he knows <laughs> it's real. <laughs> Video games was one for me. And... Um, yeah, I mean I was even talking to the guys earlier. I mean it was a thing that I was really in. I mean I mean music as well. Alan touched everyone touched on things that we're all, you know, experiencing. There's this disengagement from what the world is about and rather having this kingdom focus. It's a thing where you're more focused on the life after or the things of heaven as opposed to what's on earth. And I mean, uh, it's even just reminded me of a song, which I really like in the way the guy put it. He said, our treasures hover above us. So it's this thing where it's like, you're not worried about attaining things here. You're not worried about building up this life. I mean, yeah, money's nice. Money buys you nice stuff. But I mean, some people live for it without realizing... Whereas when you're walking with God and you're in the spirit, you know, you kind of put away that mindset where things... When you look at the way the world operates, they're very hooked on things. Things of the world are God. And if you don't fit into that mold, then it's like, hey, what are you doing? You're not not complying. And it's not something that people actively try and do, but that's just the spirits behind it that have made it like that. Mm. So if you don't fit into that mold that's when you end up being in that place of shame that I was mentioning. And that's what Jesus was walking in. So that's something which, you know, don't be part of the mold. And, I mean, even when you are, like, stigmatized, even when you're pushed aside and made to feel different, don't worry. Because, I mean, Jesus said that mm. it's it's going to happen. So yeah. he, s- he even says, count your great joy when you fall in trials. So it's like, it is what it is, but that's not the end of it. Our treasures hover above us, so then in the end, you're going to experience something far greater than what you're experiencing now. That's something that was a hope that Jesus had when he went to the cross. I mean, when you think about it, how do you feel, you know what, I'm going to go and be on this piece of wood and just be bleeding, be brutalized, be spat on. What's the point of it? but then he's saying that you're carrying your cross as well because there is a greater reward. Christ saw the greater reward that comes after the crucifixion, which was the resurrection, which then enables us to be in that life <laughs> of great joy with him, with God our Father. So you then also have to operate in a way where you're like the one who has discipled you. You're like your shepherd. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's good. Um, And you touched on something very, um, very good, which is how... Jesus, when we went on the cross, he looked ahead at what's going to come, and which was basically life for us, which is basically you, which is basically this, which is basically our relationship. So he was willing to suffer for the sake that we can know God. It's like he, like he understood and lived with God in such an amazing way that he said, I'm, I want you to experience this when he looked at sinners, even though he had the power and the authority to judge them and be like, "You're a sinner. You don't deserve God. You can go to hell because your sins amount to that," but rather he said, "Even though I could do that, but what I've come to do is to um, is to reveal is to reveal Christ to you." Um, and I think that's amazing. And I think even for us, when we face, like when we face moments where, in a sense, we have to face the stigma of being a Christian amongst your friends, or at home, or with people, always think ahead. You know, think ahead, okay, my friends are going to laugh at me, or my family's going to laugh at me, or I'm going to lose this, or this ain't going to make sense, or, like, I'm going to be the odd person, I'm going to be the odd one now. Always think ahead of what the right decision I make now, what impact it's going to have on my future later on. Um, you know, in the moment when you know you 're saying i 'm a Christian and I believe in God, and your friends are laughing at you look at look at what could happen later what 's going to happen later is you 're going to become more confident in your faith you 're going to realize that i don 't have to live according to this world i 'm going to live by god 's standards i 'm going to live by god 's authority and at the end, the conscious decision i 'm making now will have a greater impact on even on them at some point, and will even have a greater impact on other people there 's so many ways. You can look at it when you think about future perspective in terms of decisions you make now, in, in a sense, embracing the stigma of being a Christian and following Jesus and, and taking the cross. Like, um, even with me in like, my friendship groups with unbelievers, um, I mean, they, they make fun of me being a Christian sometimes, you know, like, uh or they said, oh, let's meet up on a Sunday, and they'll be like, no, Moses ain't gonna be on a Sunday because he's at church, you know, like, they'll just make fun of that, and it hurts, you know, because I'm like, why? <laughs> you know, because like, I'm being like, you know, I don't do any banter about you, you know, and like, why, why are you attacking me for, you know, like, we're going together, mate, like, what's going on, you know, but when you see beyond that, you realize actually it's the enemy trying to come against you and and trying to um, discourage you, and you just have to hold on and be like, okay, fair enough, I have to embrace this because it's part of my growth, and continue to love them, don't hate them, and be like, do you know what, forget you, I'm going to be friends with you no more because you don't like me because I'm a Christian. Yeah. Um, da, 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 da. So still show love, but be willing to embrace the stigma that comes with it as well. So he said that, okay, we've you've all here learned from stuff we said about discipleship and, and, and how to do life with God. Now you, as a young person, what practical steps can I take in this discipleship journey and my relationship with God? So what kind of steps could we take two leaders who are willing to take this on.
5: Um, I was actually thinking about this just a second ago. Um, If I could challenge you guys to really check your heart, like you guys know God, you know that God exists, you know he died for you, but yet you're not living like he died for you, you're not living like he exists. Do you know what I mean? So your life should show the world that he is alive. And the fact is that some of you guys are rolling like everyone else. Do you know what I mean? And that's... That's not um that's not what God wants. You know, so if you could really check your heart and I think in that, ask God to if you don't have the desire for God, ask him to give you the desire. And um he will.
2: Yeah, just to, to um drum home on commitment, make sure you have like it's not you, you can't just do it, but you look to have within the next three years two best friends in your cell. So Make an effort, and this t- t- takes practical steps. Everyone here should write down the two people in their cell, or take it to your cell leaders to do this. You may already do it, but make it more active in every week to call two people in your cell every week. Don't, don't, don't just call them. Try and meet them physically once a week. Go out for lunch, go around, play FIFA once a week. Guaranteed, you will see the discipleship, uh, discipleship begin to take hold in your life. That is very key, honestly. Um, when you speak with someone and you really
0: get in contact with someone, that's literally how discipleship works. Like, <laughs> there's no other way. Like, discipleship can work with that relationship. It's like that's the only way. Um, I say some please yeah, please go on. Yeah.
3: I was gonna say as well. If like reevaluate your um, relationship with your soul leader as well. So, everyone's got a soul leader. I mean, just be open. If you're not open, sometimes it's it's harder to to know what you're going through or just to see where you're at. So just be open and just be free to be o- They won't judge you or, um, you know, take your, I don't know, just be open. Yeah.
0: If they judge you, come tell me, and I'll judge them back. <laughs> so <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll sort that out. All right, we're going to pray. Guys, hope you're blessed by this. Um, and even though we went over time, I do apologize about that. But I hope you guys received um, some revelations from God.